Halloween, Mary told Cook, while Cook boiled caramel and dipped apples and laid them on the table to dry, buttery and glistening in their new candy shells. Cook smiled indulgently and gave Mary a ball of caramel to play with between her fingers and shooed her out of the kitchen. It's almost that time. Halloween? We'll get rescued today? It's early yet. No one's come to the arcade, so we'll, we're, we're hoping that uh, soon somebody's going to unlock the door and we can get out. It's, it's been a long while in here. I'm starting to get used to the eerie arcade. Yeah, there's something enticing about it, but it'll be nice to go back to normal life. Mm-hmm. Where the games aren't all so spooky. Mm. Well... For our last stretch of time here in the arcade, we played one last game. We used the last of our quarters to play Blair Witch. That's right, this is the Blair Witch game that just came out uh, in August 2019. So it's kind of the newest major horror release there is. And so we tried it. So released by the company Bloober Team. And Bloober Team is known mostly for the Layers of Fear games, as well as the game Observer, um, and so this game kind of builds off of that sort of gameplay. Um, apparently, it was actually Lionsgate, the company that owns the film rights, idea to make a game out of it, and they approached Bloober Team and said, hey, we'd like you to make uh, this game, because based on the gameplay in your previous games, we think you're a good fit. And so they did. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's Halloween, Mary told Mr. Evans, the gardener, while he stuffed old clothes with hay and sticks and raised his new-formed scarecrows onto their stands, propping them around the grounds like watchful sentinels. Mr. Evans smiled, not quite as indulgently as Cook, and gave Mary a stick and some string to tie around it and shoot her out of the garden. So I'm curious, you know, when we booted up the game for the first time, what was your very initial impressions? Um, that it was a beautiful game. Yeah. Because it opened in the forest, and it, a forest that looks familiar to us in the Pacific Northwest. I know it doesn't take place here, but um, it made it easy to really be transported into that, into that forest. Yeah. I can picture driving down Forest Road similar to that. For sure, yeah, the game's presentation is extremely strong. Yeah, so it actually takes place in the Northeast. Uh, Burkittsville, Massachusetts is the setting, which as I understand it, is largely the setting for Blair Witch-related media. Um, I should mention, this is actually our first brush with this franchise. Mm -hmm. We've never actually seen the film or played the other games or anything like that. So thankfully the game doesn't require a prior knowledge of the franchise. It seems to be largely a standalone story with a few references to um as far the as movie. we can tell without watching it, yeah. <laughs> you know. But this but to us it all made sense mm-hmm. and was inherently cohesive without needing the external knowledge. So if you also haven't experienced any Blair Witch stuff, don't worry. This game doesn't uh, require that. But yeah, beautiful game, and uh, right off the bat, you know, really good voice acting and a good script, and you're you're driving down the these old forest roads as the game sort of um, fills you in on what's happening, which is that uh, a boy has gone missing. In know, the forest. In the forest, yeah. So the police and volunteers are searching for him, and you your name is Ellis, have decided to to join in on the search. You are a former cop and a former soldier who's kind of disgraced and looking for sort of redemption. And a lot of this is filled in 
both in that initial scene and then throughout the game through um, your conversations with others over your cell phone and your walkie-talkie. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of a lot of exposition given in that way, but it feels fairly naturalistic. They feel like real conversations. That's true. And the, the game doesn't take place present day. No, it's, it's like the it's the 2000s. Yeah, I think it's not. It's supposed to be not too far after the first movie. It actually, it's interesting the way that the game places you in a time period very quickly is the cell phone. Because mm-hmm. one of the first things that happens is you get a call on your cell phone or answer it, and it's clearly, you know, one of those old Nokia brick phones. And it has a snake, <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah, the cell phone's such yeah. a cool part of it because it's it's a fully working phone. It has all the like you can go through the the phones. You can pull it up at any time during the game. You can go through its menus and they all work. You can change your ringtone. You can look at your contacts, your texts. You can turn sounds on and off. You can pull up games to play, including mm-hmm. Snake. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really fun thing that they did, just as a way to kind of immerse you in the setting of well, it's the it's the early two thousands you have what is the standard technology of the time and you can use it. Mm-hmm. And I think what's cool too is that it also gives you some player agency and that like you can choose when to accept calls or not. You can be like, oh, I haven't checked in with this person in a while. Let me give them a call. And that seems to have an effect on the game's story to some degree. Potentially. Um, At least gives you some more information. Maybe it doesn't change the actual ending. It seems like it changes how things and between Ellis and his girlfriend, maybe. Yeah, so you're going into the woods, you're like, I want to join this search for this kid, I'm going to do a good thing, I'm going to help find him, and everybody is very hesitant. It's like, you really don't have to do this, I really don't think you should. Because mm-hmm. we, kind of, we kind of come to find out that Ellis has basically PTSD from prior experiences, and uh, that for very good reasons he is no longer with the military or the police, and um, people blame him for a lot of bad things that have happened. And the second thing you notice is that you have a dog. Right. Bullet. Yeah, he's, uh, I believe, a German Shepherd. Yeah, kind of, he has a police dog type Mm -hmm. look to him. Well, he was, yeah, the backstory they give him is that he was a police dog, and either... Um, I think he failed the training. Yeah, I think they they tried to get him to be a police dog, but he, like, couldn't quite get there. Mm -hmm. And so, when you're no longer a cop, they, like, give him to you as kind of almost like, you know, you two can help each other through this. It's Halloween. Mary told Mr. Blake, the coachman, while he oiled the hinges on the front gate so they would creak like such and not like so when the trick-or-treaters came to call. Mr. Blake smiled coolly and gave Mary an old horseshoe, heavy and red, with streaks of rust like drying blood and shooed her away from the gate, back toward the house. The game itself, you know, to some degree, it feels like it's clearly building off of Bloober Team's previous work with, like, layers of fear, where it's, you know, that first-person perspective, it's, and so you're just walking through environments, exploring, doing some very light puzzle solving, and then occasional spooky things happening, but actually, Blair Witch builds on it quite a bit. It adds a lot more gameplay elements than mm-hmm. have been in previous Bloober Team games. Whereas Layers of Fear is more or less a straight up walking simulator. Yeah, uh, Blair Witch tries to add pretty involved gameplay, and a lot of that it does through Bullet. So mm-hmm. a lot of how you're interacting with the world and getting things done is by ordering Bullet and interacting with him because you're using him to search for this missing child. So he'll search environments and bring you stuff back. You can have him sniff things, and then he'll be on a scent, and you have to follow him. What What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a, a really good way to do a game where you have to collect items or find um, things instead of just... You, you know, taking your mouse around and trying to scroll through and see what lights up that you can interact with. You know, having a dog that's going to try to interact with anything interactable is um is a kind of a, a good way to do that. I know we played one other horror game with a dog. Uh, one of the 2D ones we played. Uh, yeah, that uh, we've played Claire. Yeah. Which, 
has similarly a dog companion that kind of helps you out. Right. I thought that was comparable, but it's a it's a good way to. And I always like having a pet in, yeah. in the game. So. It's it's definitely much more involved here though, in that there's a lot of ways that you can interact with him. Yeah, so you, you can, can like praise true. him or scold him. You can tell him to stay close or to seek things out. It's always interesting. Companion characters are always a tough thing in games because it can add an interesting dynamic and gameplay element, but at the same time, it takes a lot of direct control away from the player, and it, a lot of it depends on how good the AI is. Mm -hmm. I thought for the most part, it's done pretty well here. Bullet is, you know, pretty endearing, and interacting with him feels pretty good. There's definitely places where it feels like it could have been done better. He often just, like, kind of storms off, and yeah. I'm just constantly calling for him to come back if I want him to stay close, and that got annoying. Um, Maybe... It says at the beginning that you can train your dog, you know, that that has an impact. Right. And maybe that was us. Maybe we didn't properly train him to stick by. So, yeah, that's another issue that I saw with this. You know, it's kind of the problem where when it comes to AI and game design, there's no point in implementing complex AI unless the player can clearly understand it and has sort of a feedback mechanism to let the player know how what they've done has affected the AI. Mm -hmm. And to me, this game says that's happening, but I never saw it in practice. It's true. It was totally unclear to me how my interactions with Bullet changed his behavior and exactly how I was supposed to do that and what effect it would have on him. Is I never saw it. And so it's like, I'm sure they built a complex AI system for Bullet into the game, but when the player doesn't actually really experience that, there's no point to it. Yeah, it doesn't add anything it, it doesn't add, yeah. So I think that's an issue with the game, because they clearly wanted that to be a focal point, but it just, it just doesn't seem to matter to the actual game. Similarly, you know, the game has a few different endings, but it's unclear to me exactly when you're making choices in the game, you know, when something is you only have one option versus there are actual choices you can make and what the effect of those choices would be. It's not like a telltale game or something where there's you're given clear options and you can kind of see how that's affecting the overall story. I, it never felt clear to me how, how anything I was doing was going to change the outcome of things. Yeah, and it seemed with, um, you know, similar with the dog, like, I think... I have no idea if we missed things in this game because we basically follow the dog. You know, you're kind of given the idea that the dog is going to be able to establish the trail and that you would follow the dog and then that would lead you to where you need to go. And that going off the trail from the dog would be a bad thing. And so we like basically never... There was a, it seemed like pretty open, like you could kind of walk anywhere. So actually, really? it looks that way, it's not. I found very quickly, if you try and go off trail, you just hit obstacles pretty much right away. So they do a good job making it look like this big open forest, but actually, you're pretty confined to the paths. Okay, so, so I wasn't sure if we could potentially miss, because there was different things like... You know, sometimes we would just be, like, picking up some trash that, like, didn't really lead to anything, or just when we follow the dog, you know, it just looked like there were so many options, and but we were just following the dog, and I, and I was like, oh, well, are, could we be missing whole, like, other kind of parts of the story, since the kind of dialogue that you hear seems to be triggered by your location? Like, are we missing things because we're just following the dog? But... You feel like no. No, because for most of the game, you can find to the paths. And what I found is that, you know, there's different ways that you can go on the paths, but it sort of branches and loops back in on itself. So it doesn't actually matter. Like, you end up seeing everything by the end. It seems like there's just a few pivotal places where the choice you make affects the story. But well, basically, you're going to experience the whole thing. There seemed to be one point where we got a password but weren't able to get back to put the password in to unlock a gate or something like that. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure about that because we were like really far from that area by the time. Yeah, so I mean, it's possible there's some there's some bits we miss. It doesn't feel like we experienced ninety five percent of it. it. It's not like it's an open world game or something. It definitely is more open 
than some of their previous games. Like it is, you can tell they're trying to expand on their gameplay model that they've used previously, where like Layers of Fear is so linear. You're, you know, you're just following a path and seeing what's down that path. Here it's, it is a little more branching. You can make some more choices. There's more actual puzzles and things like that. Um, but for the most part, it is still pretty linear, um, despite being set out in the woods. Mm-hmm. It's Halloween. Mary told herself, caramel and rust streaking her fingers, the stick shoved lengthwise into her hair, so her ponytail held it in place, high and bobbing bright in the autumn wind. Atop the house, crows cawed their delightful cause into the air, and a curtain swayed, pulled aside and let go by an unseen hand. Delighted with herself, with the world around her, Mary tucked the horseshoe into her pocket and raced on. What do you think about the wood setting? Uh, spooky. Dark. You know, being given a cell phone and having the service taken away is like an interesting play on being, you know, all alone. Again, since we are people who do go out into the woods without service, um, being in the Pacific Northwest, that, I don't know, I feel like that added some scariness, just like, oh, I do know that feeling of like, okay, well, we don't have service any longer, so hopefully nothing goes awry. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I feel like if we weren't given that cell phone in the first place, you know, you wouldn't have kind of made that connection mm -hmm. to real life. But, But I feel like aesthetically spooky... You know, allowed it to be really dark at times, um, and it seems like it, it, I understand why a lot of horror things are set in the woods like that. Yeah, for sure. Surprisingly, though, not that many games. I feel like there's not a ton of horror games set in the wilderness. Mostly, they're more like inside large buildings, lots of corridors and tight spaces and stuff like that. There's not as many that are set out in wide open spaces, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is interesting because lots of you're right. The lots of horror movies are probably a lot more horror movies are set in the wilderness. In books, and... yeah. But I don't know if it's just a matter of, you know, it is harder to render because the player can see a lot more. You know, you can see beyond four walls, and so mm-hmm. you need to. That's a lot. It's just harder from a technical perspective. But yeah, it is, this game nails the feeling of being out in the forest. It actually, this is something that we've talked about before, is that like, in horror media where they're like, they set something out in the woods, and it's meant to be like, really spooky, and you're supposed to look at the woods and be like, oh, it's so oppressive and like, so scary. But because I like spending time out in the woods mm-hmm. so much, I see it, I'm just like, ah, it's beautiful. Yeah, like, it makes me, even though, like, the story itself is scary, it's, I'm just like, ah, I want to visit those woods. Those look really nice. I want to walk there. Um, you know, the game starts, it's like the sun is starting to set. The game seems to be set kind of in the autumn, so there's lots of leaves on the ground and falling off the trees. So, yeah, I really like the wood setting. Um, it's beautiful to look at. It... You know, this game goes for a, a fairly photorealistic aesthetic, and it actually, they achieved it. Mm-hmm. There, there are points in this game where it looks like it could be a photograph. Um, you know, part of that is because they use the resources smartly. There's not tons of people in the game. Right, faces. And so they not can a lot of those. focus mostly on the environmental graphics yeah. and really nail them. And that most of it is set in sort of dim light and stuff, which also always makes, you know, computer-generated graphics look better when you can just set it in sort of a dim thing and focus on lighting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You're not as focused on textures, and it just looks really good. Yeah, um, I agree. It helps draw you in, for sure. What do you think about the monsters? Well, yeah, so I guess we should explain sort of how that works. We'll start our conversation of having just very light spoilers, things that you kind of get revealed at earlier in the game, not not like the big end reveal or anything like that, just kind of what's what's happening throughout the game, and then in the end of our conversation, we can discuss the true, the heavy spoilers of the game, things that happen mm-hmm. at the very end. Yeah. But we have to talk about some basic story things just in order to talk about the gameplay because they're kind of tied together. Mm-hmm. So, the monsters um, and the combat system. 
So their monsters aren't common throughout this game. It's not like, you know, like what we played with um, Among the Sleep, where you have to always stay quiet, otherwise you attract a monster. Monsters only come at very specific places in the game. Yeah. So, which for one thing leads to it not being that scary, mm -hmm. because you know that most of the time you're safe. It's only when all of a sudden bullets starts freaking out and the music changes that you know, okay, monsters are nearby and I have to deal with this for the next five minutes. And other than that, I'm safe. And so it's never really that scary. And so when that does happen, you know monsters are nearby, you don't have any weapon, but what you do is you have to defend against them with your flashlight. If you, you hold light on them for a sustained amount of time, they sort of dissipate. You never get a good look at the monsters. It's fast. And they also are sort of like, almost like phasing in and out of reality. They're like not quite there, but they, they're vaguely humanoid shaped, mm -hmm. but almost like insectoid. Just like big limbs that stick out and they're sort of crawling around trees. They're almost even maybe plant-like, mm -hmm. but you never get a good look at them. So it's hard to say exactly. That's interesting you're saying that they're plant-like because another monster we experience is just the big leaf piles. Right, which you don't see anything there. The leaf piles just move around. Yeah, um, I think that's the monsters, like big leaf piles. I don't know, maybe because I was trying to figure out how these monsters connected to, like, the witch. Right. Are we going too spoilery? No, it's the game's called Blair Witch. Okay. <laughs> um, and they maybe that you know the idea that a witch has control over the forest and so it's manipulating the forest into monsters maybe that's why they're plant-like i don't know i'm making that up yeah because but there isn't like a clear the monsters don't feel like they make sense in the environment necessarily they feel a little mixed match to me yeah because they, they're never given any explanation in the story and maybe that's something that makes more sense if you understand the mythology of the series but as a standalone game there's really no explanation given as to there being monsters out here besides just like, uh, it's an evil forest. Bad spooky things happen, including monsters. Including leaf piles. Yeah. That move quite quickly. But yeah, so what I was saying, the main thing with the gameplay is the shining the light on them. So there'll be these sequences where they just start, kind of start coming at you from all directions and Bullet will alert you to them and sort of like point in their direction. I found those sequences to just be frustrating because you can't, Bullet doesn't really point to them, no. and the most effective way to do it is just sort of spin around until you see that like your light hits something, and then just focus on that area until one blows up, and that's basically it. So then you just kind of stand in place and spin around, shining your light, which isn't very scary, and it's not very engaging gameplay, and the game doesn't even have you do it that often. It's just sort of like just a, a thing times, where they're like, yeah. well, you know, people are going to expect that you're going to have to fight some sort of monster here, so we'll put that in. It just felt half-baked yeah. and not very fun. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely disappointed by that aspect of the game. It just didn't feel like it added anything. And, like, at that point, just be like, look, this isn't going to be a game with combat, and mm -hmm. that's fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we can kind of get into some of the other parts of the gameplay and how they interact with the story, because the other major part of the gameplay is early on you get a camcorder. Yeah. Um, which, you know, of course is tying back to the first movie, which was the found footage style movie. You know, one of the movies to popularize that found footage aesthetic. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the game sort of plays with that, and you having a camcorder and you watch tapes that you find. And so you get that sort of found footage feeling. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting to me that they didn't just make the whole game from the perspective of you holding a camcorder to make it closer to the original movie i'm sure that's something that they considered I, i'd be curious to know why they you decided against how, that have to look through the camcorder a lot no yeah. i feel like you're right i feel like that was probably an, a thought they had at one point but found that the game plays better if you kind of go do a mix, do a yeah. mix yeah although yeah towards the end of the game you're looking through it a lot mm -hmm. Um, so you get there. I feel like how they did that, but I feel like that worked well. Yeah, I think it worked okay. It just was an interesting choice to be like, we want to use the aesthetic of the original movie a lot, but we don't want to fully emulate that style. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. But, but it does lead to an interesting gameplay component, because you find tapes throughout, and some of them you can play and just, you watch a video and it reveals a little bit more about the story. 
but there's some tapes that have like a red label on them and those tapes when you put them in the camcorder and watch them they actually alter reality in some way mm -hmm. so for example you can watch a tape where you know some stuff happens it fills in some story but in that tape a tree falls and blocks the path until you'll see in present day there's a tree blocking your path and so if you play the video you rewind it to before the tree falls and then you pause it there now when you look back at the world that tree is upright and it hasn't fallen and so you can you can sort of change reality you can with these tapes. Fast forward and rewind reality, kind yeah. of. Yeah, um, which leads to some interesting puzzle solving. Mm -hmm. I thought that that is probably the most effective gameplay element they added because it is a unique puzzle solving element. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's you know it's something a little different. Yeah, it's kind of I cool. liked it. I liked it. And it, it allows them to you know sort of drop exposition throughout the game, and it lets it be similar to the movie and that that worked for me i thought that was pretty cool yeah yeah i don't have any complaints about how they did that yeah. i think that and again i, I you know handheld camcorder it's not really a thing anybody uses anymore so right. it also puts you in that time period if you've got your nokia phone you've got your little handheld camcorder that still uses the like mini vhs tapes and stuff it, mm -hmm. it feels very much of a time yeah no it was it was good really the only other layer to the gameplay is the stealth sections which i thought is really the worst part Absolutely, of the game. by far. They, I mean... They're bad. Yeah. So the, the, the way they work here is strange. So there's these sort of like static enemies who you never see them. They're not like in physical space. You can only see them through the camcorder as these just like red figures. And you... It's not about making sound. It's not about if you're hidden or not. It's just don't get too close to them. Mm-hmm. And so all you have to do to get through those sections is keep your space, and basically you end up just following a narrow path. But it's still like, even following that path all the time, it's like, oh, you're getting too close. You're getting too close. And you're like, okay, well, let me back up and try and maneuver. And then it's like, oh, you got too close, you died. And that would just keep happening, and it was really annoying. It for so long. And they're like, oh, you have to keep the dog close to you and keep the dog controlled, but then he wants to do his own thing, and you just... It, it doesn't feel like there's a clear way to do it, and you end up in situations where you're like, Okay, I'm equal distance from all the ones around me. Any direction I move, it gets mad at me and tells me I'm getting too close. So what does the game want me to do? Yeah. It's not scary. Mm -hmm. It's just frustrating. Mm -hmm. And so that's unfortunate because they make you do way too much of that. There's also some stealth parts where then those figures start actually walking around. And, they're, and so you still have to keep your distance, but they also say don't look at them. If you look at them, then they attack you. But it's kind of hard to avoid somebody who's moving around without looking at them. Yeah. And so it just, it's, again, it's not scary. It's and just it's frustrating. Like, I don't know. It felt like, like a fourth of the game was those sections. Yeah, probably. Which was really unfortunate because the rest of the game was pretty good. Even, you know, for what complaints we have about the other monsters. Yeah. It was still just like, but like, there's a big chunk of the game that was these sections right and they felt like they lasted so long yeah i know it felt like to me the game i'm all for it having a combat system having a stealth system and stuff but if you can't do it right you might as the game would have been better off just not having it and being like it's just a spooky exploration puzzle solving game mm -hmm. and that's it and that would have been fine because it still would have had great presentation and an interesting story and all that. And I guess you could do a little bit of it if you like like the idea you liked because it ties into some of the general plot and like story of this character. Yeah. If you want to do that for a little bit of time, <laughs> that would have been okay, but it was so long. For sure. But yeah, I feel like the game developed a lot of like goodwill at the start and it sort of just degraded that as time went on as like it introduced these gameplay elements that just weren't fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess everything that was introduced after the first eighth of the game yeah. um, were not welcomed additions for us. Right, like basically everything after you get the camcorder, it just then, all the other gameplay elements they add just aren't very fun. Mm -hmm. Which is too bad, because the... That what they set up of like, oh, you're altering reality with the camcorder, you're interacting with your dog. Like, these are interesting novel ideas. This mm -hmm. isn't a game that is just trying to do what's already been done in the horror space. Like, it's nice to see Bluebird team kind of moving outside of their comfort zone. It's nice to see somebody take 
first-person horror in sort of its own direction. Like, it feels like an ambitious game. Mm -hmm. They were like, what can we do new with this genre? We don't just want to make another amnesia-like. We don't just want to make another walking simulator where there's a couple parts where a monster chases you. Like, let's make interesting new gameplay experiences in a horror game. But the execution is just off. Yeah, it's too bad, because I still feel like I liked the game. Yeah. But it's just... But I also could kind of not pay attention to those really long... Like, I literally, like, get up (laughs) and, like, during some of the really long stealth parts. So I got to kind of take a break from that. Yeah, because it was just me, like, inching my way around the monsters and getting frustrated. Mm -hmm. It's not like that's engaging gameplay for you to be watching. It's not adding to the story. It's just something I have to get through to get to the rest of the game. So, yeah, I would... Oh, the other... The other element that is a negative for me was, we touched on it before, but just the idea that we were, you know, we were trying to make different decisions, trying to make good decisions for the kind of idea that you could impact the outcome. I don't think we did. Like, I... No, it doesn't seem like it. It um, doesn't seem like anything we did mattered. Yeah, and that just doesn't feel great. Like, I understand it's a horror game, and it, it probably won't end that well. You're probably not going to get a happy ending. Mm-hmm. But if that's the case, don't make me feel like it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like. Well, just make it clear what, where the decision points are. Mm-hmm. What the sort of flowchart of the story is so I can know when I'm doing something that's going to impact my outcome. Because otherwise, again, if the player can't see the systems. There's no point in implementing the systems. The experience needs to be tailored to the player. If the player can't appreciate what the game developers put in there, then they wasted their time. Mm -hmm. So it's something where it's like, having a branching narrative and places where you can make choices, that's great. And certainly, lots of games have done that well, including other horror games. But it's just totally unclear here where those decision points are. So like, again, it ends up being more of a frustrating element than anything because when you get a bad ending you're like but well what was I supposed to do different yeah yeah there's I don't know I was just thinking about you know a a chunk of this game that is I feel like self-explanatory is that you gather things and sometimes you like put them in other things you know yeah typical adventure game item but one thing you know but you also are gathering all these like these polaroid photos and yes. all these things, and like we didn't even mention that because you're doing right. it a lot through the game, but I have no idea yeah, what that tells you about. Yeah, collecting photos and the carved idols, and it oh, yeah. explains how the carved idols come into the story. The photos, it really doesn't. I don't understand what that tied into, but both of them seem to just be collectibles that I don't know if they're just there to get achievements or what, because mm-hmm. they're not required to progress through the game. Yeah, as far as I can tell, that it didn't make a difference. Yeah. And that was another thing, be like, oh, should we check in there to try to get this item? And it'd be like, oh, it doesn't, I don't think it matters if you get them or not. Yeah. And so it just makes you want to just, like, kind of run through the game. You know, I don't know, you're just not rewarded for the effort. And then, I don't know, I thought they would tell me something about the plot, and they don't, as far as I can tell. Maybe they're just callbacks to other Blair Witch things, but... Yeah. But but I don't know. I don't know either. I don't really understand the point of that because there's so many of those mm-hmm. photographs. They're just everywhere, and it maybe that affects the outcome of the game. I don't know. Right, exactly. But it just I don't like when things end badly, and you're like, I don't know what I could have done differently. <laughs> like that's just a bad feeling in life and a bad feeling in the game. But if it was like, oh, you know, you pet your dog ten times instead of. You were, like, constantly affectionate to your dog, and so there's, like, this outcome, and you're like, oh, okay, I see. I don't know. It would have felt just a little bit better to me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just the problem of there being no feedback until the very end, and by then it's too late to adjust anything. Mm -hmm. So. Any other positives you want to say? I mean, just, like, voice acting is great. Oh, yeah, the voice acting is really good. It's really good. Um, Yeah, the actors all did a good job. It's a well-written script. It's... from a, again, everything from a presentation standpoint, fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is definitely the highest point. But again, that kind of comes back to, I think this is sort of a problem that Bloober Team has had and something that, you know, people could have kind of anticipated when they knew they were making this game is that 
Bluebird team's presentation is always fantastic. That's their whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that they don't make the most engaging gameplay. And they tried here, but it seems like they still just sort of lack experience in that. Yeah. It's just too bad because it's like, it's a very easily identifiable things that made it less enjoyable for us to play. Yeah. That if you just like took those right out, it would have felt good. You know, it's not yeah. like... Or find a way to adjust them and polish them so that they're less frustrating. Mm-hmm. But as is, yeah, they're not worth having in there. It's something too where I was like, oh... Was this, you know, often is the case with licensed games is that they run into a lot of issues where like, well, we had a really tight release date or, you know, the, um, the IP owner tried to exert too much control or things like that. That doesn't seem to have been the case here because this isn't coinciding with the release of a new movie or anything. Like, it shares the title of the most recent Blair Witch movie, which was also just called Blair Witch, but that released back in 2016. So, it's not like they were timing this for anything. I guess just for Halloween. Right. But again, they could have released it, they could have kept it for two more months and polished it more, and then released it in October instead of August. So, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, what could have been done differently in the development cycle. Like, I'm I'm, I'm sure there are things, you know, who knows Mm -hmm. what goes on behind behind the scenes, but... It, it doesn't feel like it was burdened by the things that often lead to these sorts of flaws in licensed games. Yeah, that's interesting. No, I definitely assumed that that there was someone saying like, oh, we no, we want more more monsters or more, you know, because they feel like, like I was saying, they just don't feel like they click with the rest of the game. Yeah. Should we move into spoiler territory? Yeah, we're basically there, but... We can go into the hardcore spoilers. For sure. So so if you don't want the game spoiled for you and you haven't played it yet, um, just go ahead and skip this next section. Uh, I'll put the, the times that you want to skip uh, in the write-up for the episode, so go ahead and stop here, check that to know what point to skip to. It's Halloween. Whispered the wind through the eaves, blowing against the pressing dark of the October night carried dust and fallen leaves, and as it blew, it left them tangled in the cobwebs, knocking the spiders from their holes, sending them tumbling down into the tangled overgrowth of the flower beds, like fat black raindrops. Okay, so now we'll go full spoilers. So. So there's a bad guy. We didn't really mention him. Well, there's a few bad guys, because there's the witch, Correct. who you never encounter, doesn't have like well, a... Well, maybe the voice you encounter. Right, but I mean, doesn't have a corporeal form. So, the witch is more just a force that you hear in your head, and that seems to be controlling everything. But the main antagonist is Carver. You find that he's the one who kidnapped the kid, he's the one who's been carrying out a lot of these murders that have happened in these woods. Mm-hmm. Including when that happens while you're also in the woods. Right. Yes, because he kills the sheriff. Yeah. And he he works for the witch. You know, he says he's doing all this at her behest, mm-hmm. and, you know, she's his master. Um, and he is, even though he's an antagonist, you have a lot of interaction with him, and that he doesn't want to kill you. He... He wants you to do the witch's bidding. Yeah, he's, he's basically helping the witch in sort of, like getting you to give yourself over to her and to give in to your failings and become this puppet for her. And so he actually, for almost like the second half of the game, he's kind of on your side and that like you're taking orders from him, he's talking to you over the walkie-talkie and guiding you through the stealth sections and stuff like that. And I think that's an interesting dynamic, I think he's an interesting character. But ultimately what's revealed at the end of the game, and what basically recontextualizes the whole game, is that the whole thing is a time loop, essentially. And I called it from like the very beginning, because there's... There's There's already time manipulation. There's already time manipulation, and throughout the whole game, you're you're kind of jumping through days, like you don't know what time it is, where you go through several like sunsets and sunrises, you lose consciousness for a little while. Yeah, well, and you'll find things that are like 
from clearly a different era, but then they'll be like pristine, but then you'll fi- re-encounter them later and they're like old and rusted mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's clear that you're like jumping through time in the game. And so I was like, ah, this bad guy, this carver, this is you. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and, and that's and that's the case. That's ultimately what the, the game is about, is the witches trying to turn you into carver. And the whole game is a cycle. So what happens at the end, there's basically two possible like major outcomes with the ending. One of them being that you give in to your hate and anger and you kill Carver. And then when you kill him, then you've like fully, you know, kind of fallen into the witch's trap and you take his face and you become Carver. And then you carry out the killings that he did. And the whole thing, you know, just becomes this cycle of you basically torturing yourself for infinity. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, the other ending is that you realize what is happening and you're like, no, I won't, I won't do this. I won't give in to you. And you kill yourself. And because the whole thing's a time loop, by killing yourself, you made it so that Carver never existed and you've created a paradox that breaks the cycle. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really interesting story. I mean, I like time travel stories and time loops stuff. So it's your favorite kind of story, basically. Yeah. Um, so mixing that with horror is interesting. It kind of leaves you guessing at exactly what's happening throughout, and then it leads to an interesting recontextualization of the story at the end. Um, what do you think about it? I liked it. Like I said, it was I like 100% knew that that's how the story was going to go. Um, from the beginning, <laughs> and I kind of wish they had taken it a step further, because I feel like there was hints towards this, that, I don't know, there's different things, like, the, the witch always says that they, that you're hers forever, or that she's loved you forever, mm-hmm. you know, witches in New England, you think about a specific time period with those, and it, and your name is Ellis, and there's all these other names you encounter that are, like, old-timey names. So I thought I was going to say that you were going to go, like, further into the past and see how, you know, you'd been a part of this cycle with the witch for de- for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't do that. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, it just is just this, this one time loop in this forest over, you know, five years, a decade maybe. Right. I just, I don't think there was probably a lot of adult men named Ellis in the 2000s. I don't know. It's just, all the names were so old-timey. There was, like, an Olga and, like, do you remember? They are all just, like, not of, not of the 2000s on the, on the... On the photograph. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel On the like Polaroids. The Polaroids were supposed to, like, represent all the people who have basically been killed by the witch. So maybe that makes sense, even though there wouldn't be, like, Polaroids for all of that. I don't know. yeah. But I wish that they had gone into that, like, how how has this been impacting your whole life since you're part of this cycle? Like, because you've had all these negative experiences, is that because of the witch? Have you always been destined for this? And you're, like, a reincarnation of, like, you know, centuries-old curses or, you know, something like that. And I thought that's where it was going to take it to that next step, but instead it was just that you're in this time loop with this other character in this forest. Yeah. Well, so let's dig into a little bit more of what you mentioned about, like, the mistakes throughout your whole life, because, you know, through a mix of flashbacks and dialogue, what we come to learn about Alice, oh, and also through, like, the witch sort of manipulating reality, where you, like, the reality around you kind of becomes what you experienced years ago, mm-hmm. but yeah, through a mix of things, we come to learn that in the army, and I don't, I don't know, maybe it's, um, seems sort of like Afghanistan. It was definitely in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, you were a soldier, and you basically scouted ahead, but did a bad job, and so the enemies became alerted that there was going, like, that your whole troop was going to come in, and so it led to you leading all of your, like, squad or whatever, I don't know, the you terms, your platoon, about the military. Yeah, um, into an ambush, and basically tons of people died and it's mm-hmm. your fault and so you're discharged from the army and like there's a part where like 
your superior says, like, you should have been court-martialed for this. Like, mm-hmm. like they put the deaths on you, and Alice feels the guilt of that and feels the, P- like, has PTSD from being in a situation where everyone around him is being killed, you know? So then, seemingly after that, you know, he he's living in Burkittsville and becomes a police officer and gets a call for a burglary and goes to stop the burglary and ends up um, shooting the burglar who was an unarmed teen. Mm-hmm. And so he kills an unarmed child and is, you know, then also discharged from the police force, is not, you know, tried for murder or anything like that, but they're like, look, we can't have you. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of implied that, like, your PTSD that you're dealing with is part of the factor that led to yes. that shooting. Yeah. Um, because you find yourself in a situation where you've been shot at before, you think you're going to get shot at again, and he freaks out. Uh, so pretty dark backstory for the yeah, character Bells. And it makes you not like him very much, because he just, like, you know, everyone treats him as a screw-up, and you see why. Because you're like, you keep getting people killed. You're mm-hmm. killing people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's bad. And, the you know, the witch plays with that, and it's, like, constantly, like, sort of nagging you and playing at your insecurities. And same with Carver. They're basically mm-hmm. just, like... You know, you're terrible, you're a murderer, you're never going to amount to anything. And it seems like you are aware that you have these extreme flaws and struggles, but you're not, you know, from the, in your interactions with your ex-girlfriend and things like that, but you're not actually making steps to better yourself, to well, get better. kind of, yeah. Um, it seems like maybe there was that you had gone to a psychiatrist or yeah, psychiatrist oh, notes yeah, at point. Yeah, a lot about that. Uh huh. Um, which at first I was like, oh, are these for Ellis or are they for Carver? And then it's like, well, I guess it doesn't matter. It's kind of this one mm-hmm. or, you know, it's mm-hmm. one and the same that. So it seems like they're for Ellis. Um, but also the whole reason you're going on this is so Peter, who's the missing child, is the brother of the person that you killed as a police officer. And you're basically seeking redemption in doing this it's like yes you want to do the right thing but you specifically want to do the right thing because it's like i killed this family's child if i can save their other child Mm -hmm. then that's redeeming and so that ellis is like super motivated which is really big and heavy and i don't know if it does does the player service to kind of be revealed that vaguely over time just like why you're so invested in being in this forest and why you're like I think they establish it fairly early on though. I don't know because I just still felt like the character was making dumb choices that they're like he finds the baseball cat that belonged to the child and they're like okay we'll you know the police are like okay we'll meet up with you and then we'll take care of it he's like no I'm gonna go now and so you're still making like bad choices right you're irrational like you know just wait there let them find you like mm-hmm. get the whole team together and then go further into the woods where you already know there's monsters and stuff by this point so yeah. it's just something where i think like they do a good job of getting across these themes of like ptsd and guilt and predetermination and like dealing with pretty heavy themes but like there are points where i think the writing stumbles because it does rely on ellis being a little bit of a dunce mm-hmm. in order to like move the story along yeah, I feel like it didn't go, the, the, the two kind of bigger things, especially you know, like this game was just released, you know that, how topical it is to talk about cops shooting unarmed children, right. <laughs> because that's a reality of America, and, and you know, cops being unprepared for being afraid while in the, in the, on the force, and then just shooting. Right. And how cops probably shouldn't have, be people who have traumatic experiences in the army. That that's probably someone who would make for a cop who's going to really struggle. Yeah, our military, our police force shouldn't be militarized. Yeah, yeah, and I Especially mean, you shouldn't have people who are traumatized who have PTSD. Were dishonorably discharged from the military for not being good at it and for getting people killed you probably shouldn't give them a gun and put them on the streets but it's not like that doesn't happen in in actual real life and so they don't they don't go all the way there i feel like with the discussion of like how dangerous it is to have cops who are ready to shoot all the time right that in the second they're in a situation where they're like oh this person could have a weapon they're just shooting yeah before they fully assess the situation or done anything to try and de-escalate it. Yeah. I mean, 
within seconds. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening here. Like, in the kid, you see, they kind of show the scene and the kid's running. You know, that's not a threat to you. Someone running away is not someone threatening you. Yeah. And he looks like a kid, too. I don't know. It's, like, it's it's kind of, it's, like, hard to stomach that and, and see that and be like, ah, yes, I relate. You're like, oh, my gosh, like, this is horrible. Yeah. So to be in the, the uh, have a, a first-person experience of someone that you just is making bad choices that you can't control and then you're supposed to make decisions as them, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't fit well for me. And then it just, I just feel like they they're not really quite coming out and saying like, I mean, they're not, they're not coming out and saying this is a problem in society. Right. They're just like, oh, an interesting story. It's interesting how cops shoot people. (laughs) I don't know. Like, they're not saying like, oh my gosh, this is a crisis happening in the United States. It's just part of his backstory, but it's not like it's something that they like give clear judgment on or like tie into the larger narrative vouch it's just like yeah this is a guy who's killed a kid and you're mm-hmm. like well, <laughs> yeah. well that's really bad and like yeah that's it you're yeah. like oh okay you're like yeah he's he was in the military and it was really bad right and you're just like dang he should like be in really consistent therapy and literally never have a gun in his hand right because he's going to his fight or flight mechanisms are all wrong right and it, but they're yeah, it's a discussion you can have about the game, but it's not a discussion the game is having. Yeah, exactly. And it's something where, too, like, it's certainly, I, there's nothing wrong with having a flawed protagonist in a game. But it is just weird that's like, unless, I guess if you get the good ending, maybe he's, like, slightly redeemed at the end. But really... But I don't whole... want to say that people need to kill themselves. Like, right. Like, that's not a good thing. Like, I, that's yeah. not the right message. But it is just like, if you get a bad ending, then the game is just like, literally, here's somebody who's gotten tons of people killed, you know, straight up murdered an unarmed kid, and then, like, everything that happens in this game is him making situations worse. Yeah. And then he becomes a serial killer at the end. And, like, that's it. That's the whole game. You're yeah. just like, well, that's not, I guess, <laughs> that's I not mean, great. I guess it's fine, but it's just, it's just hard to do it when you are them i don't know when you from this point of view it's just a just a little bit off without i don't know without the whole conversation of you know this is what's happening and mad put yourself in this situation and see how bad it is and you know likening someone it's not like they're comparing cops who kill unarmed children to crazy men in the woods serial killers necessary like they're not they're not trying to point those two things together it's just like is a happenstance and so it's just strange yeah it's it's definitely a choice i do feel like like the most successful part of the narrative is just like that what the whole thing basically comes down to is like predetermination versus free will Mm. you know that like based on which ending you get is the different interpretation of like and kind of what ellis is struggling with like does he have does he truly have a choice in anything or is everything just predetermined and he's just following a path? Yeah. I feel like if they could have done a little bit better job getting that across, mm-hmm. it might have been a better story overall. I feel like overall. that is true. Like if that was if that was honestly, I feel like they should take the part. Like I think they wanted him to be an ex-cop so that way he would have a reason to be searching for a child maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It but you're right. If it would have been you know, it's something we talked about earlier. It's just like was this an open world or was this a linear path? Mm-hmm. That and yeah. so if, if there's a smart way you could have tied it mm-hmm. more directly into the gameplay, I think, and especially if it was clear like what, a, like where you have choices in the game, and then at the end revealing whether or not those choices actually impacted anything, mm-hmm. and then you could really dig into that question. Yeah, more. no, that would have been really smart and. Yeah. And a good and a scary thing. Do we have choices, or <laughs> or is everything predetermined? Like that's that fits right into horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one other thing that I want to get into, since we're in spoiler territory, is like basically the final part of the game. Maybe the last like about a fifth to maybe a quarter of the game is all spent in a cabin mm-hmm. instead of in the woods, which is where the child is. 
that you've been searching for. He's in, supposed to be in that cabin. And basically, the whole time you're in there, the witch is messing with you. And basically what they're doing is, you know, the old trick from Layers of Fear where there's changing geometry around you when you're not looking. So you'll walk into a room, be like, huh, there's nothing in here. And then you'll turn around and the door you just walked in through is gone. Mm -hmm. You're like, what? And then you turn around and there's a totally different scene behind you. And that stuff is cool, but it, it just is like, they already kind of built a whole game around that before and they're just doing it again here. And this section goes on for so long. So long. I mean, in this so section is in also cabin. where we have the the monsters that you can't get close to and you can't look at. Yeah, so the worst part but of the stealth. But they're moving. Yeah, the worst part of the stealth. And it, there's, it's too bad because there's some things that would go better good in the cabin. How the house, like, heals. Yeah. And then gets As you're, like, destroyed. going through time, you kind of, like, fast-forward or rewind its, like, deterioration over time, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, There's... You, you know, your interaction with the witch, like, kind of trying to resist her pull is, you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. And her just basically sort of trying to scare you and, like, give yourself over to her. Like, that's all interesting. And we could have done that for... A- it, like, how long it would take you to actually walk through a cabin. Right. You know, like, you'd go upstairs, there'd be three bedrooms. You'd go downstairs, there'd be a kitchen, a living room, a dining room, and you'd go into the basement. And, like, if they did that over the course of an of a house, <laughs> instead it was, like, eternal. Yeah, it just goes on for so long, because it's a small space, but, you know, it just keeps changing the geometry on you right. and, like, twisting you around so you keep ending up back where you were. And so it just doesn't feel like you're progressing. And it goes on for probably like 90 minutes to like two hours of just trying to get through this cabin where you're just like, you walk into a room, it does something a little spooky. You walk out of the room, oh, everything's changed. Now you're back at the bottom of the stairs. Now you go up the stairs and then you do a thing and then it put you back at the bottom of the stairs. And you're just like looping through this small area over and over with these bad cell sections. It just is like, come on already. Like some of the stuff was cool. I do think the changing geometry stuff is cool, but it's just so much of it. It just lasts too long. And it's just like, this is a cool trick. But once you've done it to me ten times, and like, okay, I'm, I'm done. And I get what it's trying to do with the narrative, because it's like, trying to be, the witch is basically like, trying to break you mentally. Mm-hmm. And make you just accept the cycle. And so she's making it feel like, ah, you'll never get through, you'll never escape. The only thing you can do is give yourself over to me. So like, it makes sense with the narrative. But it's like, in the narrative, the witch is essentially trolling you. But also then, in real life, as we're playing this game, it's like, the developers are just trolling us. Yeah. It's not fun for them to constantly be, you know, ripping the rug out from under you. Yeah. Like, after a few times of that, you're just like, come on, can I just get past this section already? If, yeah. So, it's not the best. Yeah, no, that was, that was definitely, like, the biggest negative, I would say. Yeah, if they cut that whole section in half, just cut it down to, like, 30 Ooh, minutes even, even, would be fine. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, 30 minutes is long enough to feel like you've walked through a house for a long time. Yeah, because yeah, it's just the same space over and over. Ugh, it just... I got really frustrated at that part, because I was like, oh, we're right at the end of the game, like, once we got in that cabin. And there's, like, two more hours of just walking through a cabin. We kept saying, we're like, I think this game's gonna end in, like, five minutes, and then it, it, we had, like, three hours yeah. left. It's just unfortunate, when you have a game that's only five, six hours long, and even still, it feels like it's running in place in parts of that, and, like, that's a relatively short game. Mm-hmm. You That should be able to where you can have, like, a pretty tight gameplay and narrative where... The game never feels like it's stagnant, but that part definitely felt like it's stagnant. Definitely. The one last spoiler thing is that at the very end, they show you the epilogue. Like, what happens to your relationship with your girlfriend, and I don't even remember what else. It, like, flashed by well, so fast. They don't. Sh- they don't show you. They just give you text. Right, correct. Yeah. In text, they write down this little epilogue that seemingly was based on decisions you made, but I don't know. What happened with, like, what the police found later, and and stuff like that. Like, it's like, oh, Peter's body was never found, you know, but this person's was, and... It kind of just, like, tells you what happened from these events a little bit, but it's just, like, yeah, it's just, like, here's a splash screen of text really quick, 
and then done. And then done. Like, that's not like, wait, satisfying. I thought this was, like, the whole... <sighs> I don't know. I guess since I anticipated the time loop, like, for the past five hours playing it, when they're like, it's a time loop, I was like, okay, okay, okay. What, but, like, what happened? <laughs> like, what else happened? Mm-hmm. And, and it just happened. They just showed you so quickly. And I was like, oh, dang. Is this... It, it, that was that was a bummer to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's something where it's like it tried to be like, look, your choices had consequence, but you're like, the consequences. I get a different piece of text or not, and that's yeah, it. Like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't feel very good. It's not a good epilogue. Yeah. It's Halloween. Who did the owl in the trees at the back of the property? Wings mantled and yellow eyes wide alert, staring at the house. It flexed its talons against the branch that bore it, splintering wood and bark alike, and when it launched itself into the air, it made no sound, but soared as soundlessly as a shadow. Alright, so if you jump to this point, we've moved past any major spoilers, so you should be safe. Um, and we're going to kind of just give our overall thoughts on the game. Overall thoughts? I mean, yeah, I just come back to it is an ambitious but a flawed game. In almost every regard, um, besides presentation. Presentation, fantastic. Looks great, sounds great, mm-hmm. all good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both in its story and its gameplay, there's clear flaws. You can see what they went for, and you can see parts where they did it really well and parts where they did it poorly and so it's kind of a mixed bag you know I always prefer an ambitious but flawed game to one that is technically competent in everything but doesn't try to do anything interesting Mm -hmm. so I can appreciate the game from that perspective but that's not to say I wasn't frustrated with it at times yeah I feel like I'm usually that was a really good way to put it that I, I would pick this over a game you know exactly what you said. Yeah, it's not generic. Right. It's interesting, but it just doesn't quite hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It's tough. I typically either enjoy or didn't enjoy a game. I'm I'm not frequently split down the middle, and I feel like I am for this game because there was things that I really liked about it, and then and things that I really didn't like about it. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to not be playing it, so when there's things I didn't like, I could kind of not pay attention to those things, and then pay attention to the things I did like. Um, and I think that changes my view a little bit, because I wasn't actually the one stuck through the areas that we enjoyed less. Right. Um, and makes me like the game better, because I, I wasn't playing it. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. just watching the parts of it I liked. So I feel like it's a good one for your husband to play and for you to watch. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess the question then is, would you recommend people use their quarters on this? You go first. What do you say? I think it depends on the person. It's a yeah. hard game to recommend. Because um, the thing is, like, as a horror game, it's not, it's not very scary. But at the same time, if you're, like specifically looking for not a horror game this probably doesn't scratch that itch either it's like if you if you want to try a horror game that's not that scary but tried some some new things some of it successful some of it not successful or i guess if you're just really into the blair witch franchise this is probably worth checking out it's not a bad game it's just also not a great game so i think i think that you could spend some quarters on it yeah. maybe not your first stop at the arcade but um but yeah you could spend your quarters on it one thing i will say is that this is a game available through xbox game pass so if you are on a pc or an xbox and you have not previously tried xbox game pass you can get a month of it for a dollar so you literally could spend quarters to play this game mm-hmm. so for that reason um that's a pretty low risk if you find that you don't enjoy it so it's definitely worth playing from that perspective of you can drop a dollar on this or if you already have game pass then no additional money yeah you know and then you can try it so very low bar 
to, to entry there. So I certainly think it's worth that. Yeah, I am glad we played it. I did think it was worth playing. Yeah. I would spend some quarters on it. But dang, were there parts of it that I didn't like. So that's where I'm at. And that's, that's probably our last broadcast. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get on out of here. Um, before we go, just wanted to, as always, thank Fia Gloss for um, helping with the sound design of our broadcast. Um, he's gone radio silent. I don't actually know. I haven't, I haven't heard anything from him. He hasn't been sending us readings, so um, if you're out there, buddy, uh, just let us know that you're okay. But, you know, maybe you can let him know as well by going to um, fiagloss.itch.io and um, playing some of the games that he has made. If you want to check up on us, you can always find me at Jeremy underscore Whitson. Did you hear that? <gasps> Someone's here? Someone's here. Let's Rem go. Remember to leave the arcade before it closes. It's Halloween. Breathed Mary, nose pressed to the glass of her bedroom window, eyes fixed on the figures coming through the gate. Five of them this year. Five trick-or-treaters coming to play with her, to be her friends, and maybe even if she was very, very good and very, very lucky, and if they were very, very clever, to stay for a while. Oh, how she hoped they would stay for a while. It's Halloween. She repeated and hugged herself tight, watching her new friends come. With graveyard weeds and wolfsbane seeds, by Seanan McGuire. Hi everyone. We're out of the arcade. We were able to get out and get home, finally. We escaped. Oh, it feels so much better. Yeah, it's really nice to be out of there, but um, we really did enjoy uh, broadcasting to everyone, and so we're gonna, we're gonna try to uh, do it again next year just for fun, talk about more spooky games. But in the, in the intervening time, if you can just uh, stay subscribed, we'll uh, we'll have some bonus content um, for you. We'll keep you know putting out putting out more stuff, um, and the first of those will be in a couple weeks. So just keep an eye out from that. Um, even though we've made it out of the arcade, you'll still be hearing from us. Talk to you next time.